It's something for nothing, the Rush Fan Cast. Jerry and Steve with you. Jerry, I'm just going to rip off the Band-Aid. Okay. This is our final episode. Our final episode. The last in a long line of episodes. Yes, number 175. Many of our listeners are not going to be happy to hear this. Maybe some will be, though. You never know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Haven't you ever just continued listening to a podcast, even though you stopped enjoying it a long time ago? Yes, I have. <laughs> there you go. And, you see? And that's what we're trying to avoid. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, find us at The Rushcast. Email Jerry. The hate mail is going to start pouring in. The Rushcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the bass intro and outro. Of course, that's Lex. He would never let us down. Never. And Jerry, we're going to skip the email today and just get right into it. Why we're ending this. Why did we decide to end the podcast? Why don't you start? Well, we decided to end the podcast precisely for the reason that I said at the beginning, just a few moments ago, is that sometimes, occasionally, a podcast will overstay its welcome. Oh, for sure. And we just don't want to do that. It's amazing. It's amazing that we have gotten to episode 175 and still feel like we're doing a pretty good show, right? Yeah. And I want to end this while we're still doing a pretty good show. Yeah. I think that's all we ever hoped for is to do a pretty good show. Yeah. I don't want to go out with a whimper. That's for sure. No, I don't want to just feel like we're just dragging topics out. Mm -hmm. I think we've gotten all of the meat that we could from the stone that is Rush. Well, that's a kind of a mixed metaphor, isn't it? But you know what I mean. The juice from the orange. We've done everything we've set out to do, right? Yep. We discussed every Rush album. We've done things we never set out to do, like discussing every live album, right? True, yep. And we've spoken to dozens of Rush fans and people connected with Rush that we never expected to speak to. Nope. And the second reason is this podcast takes a lot of time to produce. Yes. On your end. Yeah. And my radio background will not allow me to just take the Zoom audio and throw it up there. <laughs> you know? That is so true. Yeah. I just can't do it. Well, that's why it sounds so good, Steve. That's, that, was, that was one piece of this podcast's success was the way it sounded. I get emails about that all the time of how great the podcast sounds. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, in the beginning, it didn't take me as long because in the beginning, I wasn't doing as much editing and that's evident. Well, that was because we were face-to-face. -face. Right. And when I said something, it got picked up by your mic. And when you said something, I got picked up by my mic. So if there was something that you wanted to cut, sometimes you couldn't. Right. And then when the pandemic hit, we started doing this separately. And I started getting really intricate with the production of the podcast. And I think it worked out because I think it sounded a lot better. It did. I went back and listened to a few minutes of almost every episode just to kind of get a feel for how it sounded. And you're hundred percent correct. When we started recording in our individual homes, the sound quality changed. Yeah. The conversation changed. Mm -hmm. And because of the pandemic, I had a lot more time on my hands. That's true. So I had a lot of time to edit and it didn't seem like it was taking a ton of time. And then of course we have full-time jobs and when the pandemic was over, I had to go back to work, but I still had to edit this podcast. So it was almost like having a <laughs> right. second job. Right. You had to go back to work, work at work. Right. 
at a, in a building. So you had to start commuting again. Right. And from a personal perspective, I just want to spend more time with my family. My daughter's 10, the same age Neil's daughter was at the time of his passing. And I just keep asking myself, what would Neil Peart do? Right. And the answer is Neil Peart would end this. Yeah. And I know people are probably going to be, some people are going to be disappointed, but uh, what can you do? All things must end. I was going to say all good things must end, but that's not true. All things must end. (laughs) So we realized that the final episode may be the first episode that new listeners are listening to. So we thought we'd talk a little bit about our rush journey and the journey we had with the podcast. And I thought maybe we should start out again where we started with episode one, Joe, with our rush origin stories. Oh, that's a good idea. And then we can discuss the journey of the podcast, and then wrap things up. What do you think? Sure. Sounds good. So I think I should go first since my Rush origin story was first. Okay. I joined the Columbia House Music Club probably back in 1982, I'm going to guess. And two of the albums I chose, not sure why, were Moving Pictures and Signals. And from the first time I heard those two albums, I loved Rush. But for some strange reason, I didn't purchase any other albums. I enjoyed moving pictures. I enjoyed signals. I just never bought anything else. I don't know why. I mean, how old were you, though? I was 11, 12, something like that. That's probably why. Yeah. And then when I joined my band, I was in a band when I was a teenager. And me and the drummer, Ron Lipnicki, who we had on the podcast, Mm -hmm. we'd be playing Rush songs all the time. But only the Rush songs we knew. Basically, Red Red Barchetta, Tom Sawyer, Limelight, (laughs) right? right? And that was basically it until 1986, which is where you come into the picture with your origin story. Right. The story that we tell is that you had tickets. You had four tickets to the show. Yep. For the Power Windows Tour. I'm not sure how you got those tickets. Who was it? Was it Ron who got them? Because he came with us. Yeah, Ron and my friend Tony were also big rush fans and i'm not sure which one of us got the tickets honestly right but we had four and there were only three of us and we didn't have a ride yeah so i had a driver's license and uh there you go and there you go and i like going to concerts i had seen a couple of concerts before rush i think i saw you two on the unforgettable fire tour i saw another one too but I liked going to concerts. So I was like, yeah, why not? Let's just kill an evening going to a show. <laughs> and you did more than that. Yeah. It was, I didn't really know any Rush songs, just the popular ones that I, I heard on MTV or on the radio. But it was just the most enthralling thing I've ever seen in my life. I've never had another concert experience like that in my entire life where I walked in knowing basically nothing and left wanting to know everything. I was such a diehard fan from second one. And then we drove around for the rest of the night (laughs) till late in the, late in the morning, listening to exit stage left just over and over again. And probably, you know, as soon as I had a moment of free time, I probably just started buying rush albums and the rest was history. Yeah. And there was a good chunk of time, a couple of years, I'm going to say where I, listen to rush probably 90% of my free time. Yeah. And after that first show I was in head first, you know, I'd never heard anything 
from Power Windows, and that album became my favorite album, at least at that point. I went out and bought it, and I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, we jumped into the deep end of the pool without even knowing how to swim, basically. Yeah. It was crazy. I know about you, but I drove people crazy <laughs> listening to Rush. Some Just crazy. Every Rush fan, I think, understands that. Rush is a hard sell at parties, but uh, I'd sneak it on sometimes. There you go. And annoy people like crazy. And we went out and bought every album after that. Mm-hmm. And here we are doing a Rush podcast. Here we are 30 some odd years later. So we hatched the idea for the podcast in June of 2019 and released our first episode in September 2019. So this is prior to Neil's passing, prior to the pandemic. And I would say we probably didn't really hit our stride until after the first 10 episodes. We heard from a listener named Mark Irwin, who was involved in the publishing of the book, Wandering the Face of the Earth. And he offered us an interview with Skip Daly and Eric Hansen, which I think kind of changed the trajectory of the podcast, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. It absolutely became a different podcast. Because first of all, that what really did it for me was that somebody was interested. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I always have this thing that you can only really, this is obviously not true, but you can really only tell if somebody's like, telling you the truth about something you're doing if they think they can make money off of you. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. If they think that it's good enough to promote something or sell something, then, you know, that's that's a better gauge of whether or not something is good than, you know, your mom telling you it's okay. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. Not that that's necessarily true in Mark's case, but he did really like, he does really like the podcast even now. And the fact that he emailed me out of the blue was just shocking to me that somebody would be so interested in what we had to say. Yeah. And he had these two guys who wrote this book, Eric and Skip, who are great guys. Eric is of powerwindows.net fame. And just the fact that Mark thought we would do a great job interviewing them just meant the world to me. And I'm sure to you as well. Yeah. He had more faith in us than we did. <laughs> right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I could sense right after that, that we felt a lot more comfortable in our shoes. Yes. And it really opened up our eyes to the fact that we could do things other than talk about the albums and the songs. Right. Like maybe there was something else to this podcast other than knocking out, you know, however many episodes we planned on doing like 40 episodes on the studio albums. And that was just going to be our little uh, side project for a few months. And then about a month later, the worst thing that could have happened, happened. Neil Peart passed away. Right. And we did our episode the next day on celebrating the life of Neil Peart. And to me, that was a, another sort of turning point because we gained a lot of listeners that day. We did, unfortunately, you know, given the circumstances, we did gain a lot of listeners. And it was because in the days after the announcement came out, people were hungry for information about Rush, about Neil, people who had been, you know, like into Rush and liked Rush at least one point in their their lives, were suddenly like, oh man, I can't believe Neil Pierce passed away. And so they went searching for information, and a lot of them stumbled on our podcast. And then after that, we talked to a couple of people who have become really close friends of ours. Nathan Santos was our second interview, and he talked about the class he taught, progressive rock and modern society. 
Yeah. And that was another great conversation and kind of spurred us on to do more interviews. Yeah. I remember I was, I can't remember if somebody, I think somebody emailed me and said, Hey, did you ever hear about this thing, Mm -hmm. this class that this guy taught? And so I looked into it and I just, I think I said to you, you know, if we did one interview, maybe we could just do another. Why not? Right. Right. Let's just interview this guy about his class. It could be interesting. (laughs) And it was interesting. Yeah. And then not long after that, we had Ryan Murphy from Rush Fans Instagram on, and he was terrific. Yep. And he's been a great friend of the podcast for the past three years as well. Uh, yeah, that's true. It was great uh, meeting him. Actually, I'm Zooming with him tomorrow about something else. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we keep in touch all the time. And after that, Jerry, we started doing more and more interviews. We spoke to John Take at Rush Graphs. He was an awesome guest. He was an awesome guest. And one time, just out of the blue, I contacted him for something else, Rush-related graph. And he was like, sure. And he put it together for me. No problem. He's a great guy. And we had him back again to talk about Prime Mover. That's right. Which ties in nicely with today's episode. It does. It does. And we also had Derek Bacharach on, the creator of the first Rush fanzine. Yeah, he's a great guy. He met us also at the night for Neil, he sat with us, even though he had better seats and we had crappy seats and he had better seats and he sat with us anyway. And he took us out to dinner. That's true. He did. He's the one person we cashed in on the dinner with Jar. <laughs> That's true. I'd never thought about that. And now that we're not doing the podcast anymore, we've got time to go out on all these dinners. Well, I think they're lunches. Let's be, <laughs> let's keep the, let's keep your expectations a little bit lower. It's lunch. I'm upgrading you know, a, us to dinner, Jar. <laughs> Are you really? Let's see if I can uh, swing that from some of our longtime listeners. All right. That'll be, I might be a hard sell, but we'll give it a shot. Two other people that have been great help to the podcast, John Petuto of Cygnus X1, Ed Stenger of the Rushes of Band blog. We had both of yep. those guys on. And they've been championing the podcast since the beginning. And we appreciate that. Um, yeah, that was, when did we have John on? I wrote down. John was episode 46 and Ed Stenger was episode 41. That's right. And then we finally decided to do moving pictures, <laughs> right? Right. One of my favorite set of episodes was the episodes we did on moving pictures. We did four episodes on moving pictures. Yeah. And it was terrific. And I was surprised that we could talk so long about YYZ. We talked for a good 20 (laughs) minutes about YYZ. How did we do that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Those were episodes 42 through 45. So if you're a new listener and you want to check those out. And I think the interview that really made us think, hey, we can do something with this, was the Howard Ungerleader interview. I was just going to say that. Just the fact that Howard said yes to us. (laughs) seriously was amazing to me you know we were you know a stupid little podcast let's be honest and we might still be a stupid (laughs) podcast let's be honest but yeah it was interesting to know that people might say yes that was the interesting about getting howard on the show is that you know we emailed him and he said yes and then i was like huh that's interesting that's a that's a weird turn of events (laughs) If you ask for something, you might get it. I hadn't thought about that before my entire life. Oh, that's funny. And because Howard was so nice to say yes to us, that helped us get a lot of other guests that we wouldn't have gotten without Howard. I'm positive of that. Yes, that's very true. Because when you start 
cold emailing people. I was going to say cold calling, but obviously I'm not calling. Cold emailing people. If you say we've also interviewed blah, blah, blah. Right. Suddenly people are more interested. Suddenly people take you a little more seriously because, you know, we had interviewed names that they recognize. Right. Oh, they interviewed Howard. I guess I'll do it. Yeah, I guess, I guess if Howard did it, I'll do it. <laughs> exactly. You know, the thing I forgot to mention is that the um, book release party for Wandering the Face of the Earth, we met Ray Warzniak. Oh, that's right. That is where we met him, isn't it? Yes, and he became a great friend of the podcast. And I think Ray's going to be a little disappointed that he did not get his five-timers jacket. I know. <laughs> well, let, let's be honest. Even if he was on here five times... He was not getting a jacket. It would have been maybe a t-shirt, maybe a scarf. Maybe that's another reason to end the podcast so we don't have to buy Ray a jacket. <laughs> so we don't have to special order him a jacket that says something for nothing five timers club. Oh, that's too funny. Let's see. Who else did we talk to? We, uh, we had David Calcano a few times, a fan tunes on. He's become a great friend of the podcast. Joe Bergamini, who you mentioned a few episodes yeah. ago, is one of your favorites. Yes. He was with us a few times and he knew Neil Peart personally. And those were great stories. And then we had Terry Carr on your friend, Terry Carr. Yes, she was great. And probably one of our more controversial guests. Do you know who I'm thinking of right now, Steve? Martin Popoff. Martin Popoff. (laughs) Man, people were not happy with some of the things that Martin Popoff said, especially about the albums in the eighties. Oof. Boy, I got a lot of emails. Well, you got to check out those episodes because there's some interesting stuff in there. And Martin's very <laughs> right. opinionated, and I love Martin. He is. But Rush fans did not take kindly to his words about <laughs> 80s Rush. <laughs> but the discussions were so much fun. They were a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I forgot to mention when we were talking about our favorite guests a couple of episodes ago, I didn't mention Rob Wallace from Hudson Music. Oh, he was great. That was, I thought that was a great, great interview. Absolutely. And we also had Donna Halper on, who was Rush Royalty, episode 70. Yep. Really was nice of her to, to agree to join us, right? That's true. And then another favorite, man, we should have probably listed our top 10 favorite guests when we talked about our, just our favorite guests, because there's so many. What about Brian Hyatt oh, of Rolling Stone. I was just going to say Holy that. moly. He was the best. He really was. I wanted to have him on a second time, and we never did it. He's, he's a busy man. Oh, no. I never asked him. <laughs> oh. You never asked him. Steve, how dare you? <laughs> we just never got around to it. We never got around to right. it. But I would have loved to have had him on a second time. He had a lot of insights into the band because he, uh, we had him on after the one year anniversary of Neil's passing when he wrote an article for Rolling Stone online Mm -hmm. called the spirit of Neil Peart. But he also wrote the Rolling Stone cover story of Rush. Mm -hmm. So he spent a lot of time with them and just to hear his perspective on meeting the members of one of his favorite bands and being in the room while they were rehearsing. I just thought those stories were incredible. Oh, absolutely. Episode 74 is that episode if you want to check that out. And episode 76, we met another of our great friends, Vicki Flyer Hudson, who's been, I think, on the podcast four times as well. She's got Ray almost beat. Almost beat. Now, you see, if we <laughs> had had Ray on five times, 
we probably would have had to have her on five times just to get her a, a jacket or a scarf. Yeah, that would have cost us some money, though, for another jacket. <laughs> but then we also, the episode after that, we talked to Dale Haslip. He was really, really great. He was director of the Rush Time Standstill documentary, but he was also way more involved yes. in the R40 concert as a whole and the tour and the presentation. So those stories were fascinating. Yeah. And he came up with the R40 concept, didn't he? He did. He sure did. Episode 80, we spoke to Steve Holmes of House of Drumming. He joined us a couple of times and he was fascinating. Great to get to know him. Yep. And Miller, episode 85. How can we forget Miller? I know. Good old Miller. Good old Miller. Luckily, we've gotten a chance to meet him since then, and he is such a terrific guy. Yeah, he worked on the documentary, Time Stand Still. Yeah. So he had some great behind-the-scenes stories, too. Yeah, Dale introduced us to Miller, and we're happy he did. And, of course, episode 88, I referenced this a few weeks ago, picking my favorite guest, and Johnny Dinklage was incredible. Yeah, he was such a nice guy. He was just a genuinely nice guy. Every once in a while, I just email him something. I think after he was on, maybe like a couple of weeks after he was on, I emailed him a link <laughs> to, <laughs> so funny, this thing that someone put together. It was the last second of every ACDC song <laughs> from, from the first album to their last album. I remember that. Everyone sounds exactly the same. Every last second is exactly the same. They don't have one song that fades out and they all just crash to an end. And he's a big ACDC fan. He's in an ACDC cover band. So I emailed it to them and he thought it was the funniest thing. It is the funniest thing. It's hilarious. It is the funniest thing. You know, going through the the guest list of all the people we've had on, I just can't believe how many people we've had on that we've become, I say, friends with. I mean, even if we haven't met them. And Max Mobley is another one of those people. Yep. I just felt such a connection with him the, the moment we had him on, don't you think? Yeah, he was so interesting. He had a, a lot of interesting takes on things. And just a super nice guy. And another super nice guy is Kevin J. Anderson, who we've had on numerous times. Yep. And he's another person that just so nice of him to even consider joining us. I know, I know. And to talk so long about, you know, so many things that people really didn't know about, that we certainly didn't know about how he and Neil came up with the idea for the Clockwork Angels right. universe type of thing. That was also one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. And another favorite is, of course, Andy Curran, the bassist of Coney Hatch, and of course, right. Alex's collaborator on Envy of None, and he's been connected with the band for decades. Yep. And what a fascinating conversation that was. That's episode 101. We had Maya Wynn of Envy of None, singer, songwriter. We had her on three times. Three times. And she is just a joy to speak to. I know. I'm so happy we got to talk to her. And one of these days, we'll actually see her in concert. Well, if she ever does an East Coast tour, we're there. Oh, yeah. She's such a nice person, though, too. Episode 111, we spoke to Hugh Syme. Can you believe we spoke to Hugh Syme? I cannot. <laughs> I cannot believe we spoke to Hugh Syme. That was really insane because I got in touch with him and he was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. But let's, why don't you call me tomorrow and we'll talk about it. 
So I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so he gave me his cell phone number and said, call me, you know, at like whatever o'clock. So I called him up and we talked for like an hour. <laughs> just about, not even about the show, just oh, about awesome. whatever. It was so funny. And then I was like, at the end, I was like, um, so, uh, you know, like, when can we schedule you? And he's like, oh, yeah, we'll just, uh, I'll put you in touch with, you know, my assistant. And then there you go. He was so nice and so funny. You know, another person that's become a great friend of the podcast is Steve Brown of Rushfest mm -hmm. Scotland. Yep. We had him on three times and can't wait to actually get to Rushfest Scotland one of these days. One of these days. But we got to meet Steve in St. Catharines a few months ago, and he's such a terrific guy. Yes, he's always entertaining. Another highlight is episode 121. Not only did we speak to Hugh Syme, we actually spoke to Ben Mink, Jer. <laughs> right? Yeah. That was another strange thing, you know, along the lines of you never know who's going to talk to you until you ask them. Yeah. Basically. And we said, who do we want to talk to? And one of us brought up Ben Mink and we're like, <laughs> Ben Mink, he's going to come on our show. So I think I emailed him like through his website. Yeah. Just through his website. And he responded within like a day Oh man! and said, oh yeah, I'd love to do it. And there you go. Episode 130, we talked to Daniel Catullo and I didn't expect it to be as great as it was. <laughs> But it was probably one of the best conversations we've had on this podcast, don't you think? Yeah, it was a freewheeling conversation about the crazy <laughs> behind-the-scenes things that happened when they were recording Russian Rio. Oh, really unbelievable. Just insane, just insane. And in between there, in episode 127, we talked to Brandon Tews. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. He's the young drummer. He works at Drumio. He recorded an entire drum suite, I guess you call it, with a, just like a few seconds from every single Rush song. And he played it, if you listen to the episode, he tells us, he played it just straight through a couple of times to get all the different angles, which it seems ludicrous to me. Yeah, really was incredible, incredible. And I don't know if you subscribe to his Instagram or Drumio's Instagram, He's a fantastic drummer. I mean, obviously he is, oh, but yeah. he breaks down the most complicated drum things in the easiest way. And he recently interviewed Phil Collins oh, wow. for the channel. I don't think any of the videos have come out yet, but I, I subscribed to his Instagram and he was showing like behind the scenes stuff. That's going to be great. You know, another episode that I feel like could have sent our podcast off into a different trajectory, but didn't just because we didn't follow up on it is the episode with Ian Carnegie. Oh yeah. I have that written down as well. When he dissected chain lightning for us, I thought to myself, this could be the podcast. We could just have Ian on every week to dissect right. every rush song. How great was that? It was again, I keep on saying this one of my favorites. That was episode one fifty three. Yes. And he's, he's a teacher at the Royal College of Music in London. And we were having him on to talk about, it was going to be a, a recurring segment called like My Favorite Song, I think right. is what we are going to call it. And we had him on just to talk about his favorite song, which he said was Chain Lightning. But instead, we got a master class <laughs> in composition. He, I was just agog. I didn't have to uh, say anything. He could have just talked the entire episode and we could have just bookended it with us 
introducing him because the detail that he went into about music theory was astounding to me. And I mean this in the best way possible, but he, in one fell swoop, destroyed that idea because it was so good what he did. Nothing else we could have done could have topped that. Yeah. Very, very difficult. We could have had any other guest on to dissect a song and it would have been nearly as good. Yeah. We should have just had him on like once a month. Well, he does his own podcast called The Politics of Sound, so you can check that out. Ian Carnegie, he was great. Uh, You know, I forgot about Liz Swan. She was with us twice, and she's become a great friend of the podcast. Yeah, Yeah, she was an early interview, too. Episode 33. Wow. That's when we were still in your basement. (laughs) That's true. And then we had her on again on episode 154, naming our favorite Rush lyrics. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. She was great. Episode 158 is another highlight. Filmmaker Ari Gold was terrific. Yeah, that was fun. Recent one. And somewhere in there, we did our Redux episodes where we kind of recovered the two albums we did first, Power Windows and Hold Your Fire. I think the idea was that over time, we were a little underwhelmed by our discussions of those two albums because they were the first ones that we did. And we really were stumbling our way through the podcast. So we figured let's invite people on to talk about these albums again. And they were some of our most popular episodes. Yeah. And in reality, we could have done that with all of the albums. We could have talked about them again, brought guests on to talk about them again. But that would have required us to keep doing this podcast for another three years or so, Jerry. (sighs) (laughs) plus it would also require us to find new guests to invite that's true because those were you know we had to do multiple nights where we were interviewing people so those were a, a little more time consuming than your regular episode yeah and the other thing as we began to wrap up the podcast at the end of this year a night for neil was happening in st Catharines, and that spawned a whole bunch of great episodes both before and after a night for Neil. We talked to Lance Caston of Overtime Angels. We talked to Liza McClellan of Deva Quartet. We talked to Leonie Jane Kennedy, who was on the Songs for Neil project. And then afterwards, we spoke to Bob Starman King. We talked to Paul Ballou, who was great. And Nancy Peart Burkholder, Neil's sister, who was amazing. Yeah. That was another great episode. Yeah. She was so generous with her time. I loved it. And so many more guests that we've had that we didn't get a chance to mention here, but I can't think of one guest we had that wasn't terrific. And we thank each and every one of them. Yeah. We've just been ridiculously lucky with people saying yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's really all it boils down to. So I have a list of people that I wanted to thank, and I'm sure your list is probably the same. Some of the same people that we just mentioned, Mark Irwin has to be number one on the list. Number one with a bullet. Number one with a bullet. Mark, without you, we would have been done after 20 episodes, probably. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Maybe even before. Or I know. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm not kidding either. Ray Warzniak, who's been a sounding board for us. Every time we had a question about Rush facts, something that we needed verified, Ray was the guy who was there, right? Yeah. That dude knows everything. That dude knows everything. <laughs> And everything is at his fingertips. I think we were talking to him once and I asked him 
if he had a copy of the first show that we saw on the Power Windows Tour. And he said, hold on a second. <laughs> and he just turned around and reached out with his hand and fiddled with something in the background and then pulled it out. And he was like, no, I don't have that date. I have this other date. He has so much stuff in his collection, but he knows where every single thing is. And you know, Jer, screw it. Why don't we have Ray on a fifth time? What the hell? Yeah, let's just have him on for a couple of seconds just to make him happy. We grabbed this from one of our previous episodes. Here's Ray. There is something about Rush fans that have this level of passion that supersedes that of the fans of other bands. Why is it? Can I just cop to the dude answer and just say, dude, because they're awesome. That's a very Ray-like thing to say. Yes, a very astute observation. (laughs) Come after us for the jacket, Ray. We dare you. (laughs) Ray, you're the best. Thank you so much for all your help. Ryan Murphy of Rush Fans, who has been a champion of the podcast from the beginning. Such a great guy. And he's got so many followers on Instagram. So nice to push our podcast all the time. All the time. I don't know why. He likes you, Jer. (laughs) I know. I mean, it's not like I have anything on him. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm... I have some kind of leverage. I think he likes me too, maybe. (laughs) He's just doing it out of the kindness of his heart and his love of Rush. He's a kind soul. Ed Stenger of the Rush is a Band blog kindly mentioned us pretty much every week in his blog. He had a little blurb about our podcast. Ed, thanks so much. That was so nice of you to do. And another person we have to thank, Joe, that was a big help to the podcast is Melanie Hitchcock. Yes, of... Rush Girls Rock on Instagram. She's been a big advocate of the podcasts since early on. She's always reposted things about us. It's been great. And it was great to meet her the night before Night for Neil. That's right. She did a lot of work with the Overtime Angels and kind of publicizing the whole event. So again, follow her at Rush Girls Rock on Instagram. She's awesome. And I think we should thank our families, Jer. My wife and kids, your wife, your kids, for allowing us to do this. We disappear into our basement or bedroom, and we're not spending time with them. So thank you. Yeah, sometimes that's a good thing, right? I think (laughs) from their point of view. Maybe, maybe. We love you, and thanks so much for your help with the podcast. Just letting us do it, right? Yeah, just uh, all I need is a little encouragement. That's all I need. (laughs) And what about Lex? What about Lex? What about Lex? Can't do it without Lex. You can't do it without Lex. That's another thing, Steve, is the people that we've kind of roped into helping us on this podcast. <laughs> how did we do that? Because Lex is like a real musician. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And what did you say to him? You're like, hey, we're doing this podcast. You want to just record Getty? Yeah. You just want to record Getty bass lines for the next three years? Well, it started out, I wanted to do the bass line for something for nothing as the intro to the podcast. And I was going to do it myself because I'm sort of a bassist, right? And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it well enough that I was happy with it. So I thought to myself, who do I know who could do this and do it well? And of course, the first person I thought of was Lex. So I asked him Mm -hmm. and he said, yes. And then I got greedy (laughs) and started asking for different songs. And he's probably done 50 or 60 of them by now. Yeah, I know. And see another example of just asking someone and seeing what they say. And it added so much to the podcast. Everybody loves 
the bass intros and outros and what he does with them. I mean, if a song like Losing It, for instance, which we played on last week's podcast, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a keyboard-heavy song, and he turned it into a whole different bass line, which sounded awesome. Yeah, he's definitely a great musician. Absolutely. We have to thank everybody who listens. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We couldn't do it without the listeners, right? No, we wouldn't do it without the listeners. Everyone who's subscribed to our email list just to get updates on every new episode, the people who take the time to comment on Twitter, retweet us, comment on our Instagram and repost our things and send emails and talk to other people about the podcast. And hopefully they'll continue to do that because these 175 episodes, you're going to pay to keep those up on Podbean, right, Jer? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's not very expensive. So why not? At least until you run out of money, right? At least until I run out of money. Hopefully that won't be for a long time. (laughs) And we have to thank Getty, Alex and Neil without them, Jared, this podcast would not have been possible. I can guarantee you that. Uh, Yes, that's obviously true, but also not just for the podcast, but just for decades and decades of enjoyment. Yeah. Decades, Steve. Of loving Rush. Yep. And of course, Jerry, I couldn't do this without you. Thank you, Jerry. Without you, this podcast is impossible. And you've been the best partner with this. And, you know, as Peter Clavin says, I love you, man. Yeah. Oh, I was going (laughs) to say the same thing to you, Steve. Because obviously, there's no one else I would have wanted to do this with. But there's also no one else I could have done it with, really. So, and not just because of your editing skills. I'm just talking in general. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing, too, that I appreciate from you is that you just bought into the idea 100% from the get-go. Because it was not a foregone conclusion when we came up with the idea that we were ever going to follow through with it. That's true. Because a lot of people talk about things, then they don't do them. Right. I have this thing where I, (laughs) I kind of need a deadline. I kind of need a reason to do something. And, you know, you were like, we're getting, let's get together on Friday or Saturday to do it. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll be there. You know what I mean? If we're up to me, uh, we might never have done it. But because you were just like, we have to do it. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Nice. And there you go. And here we are. And here we are. Three and a half years later. So Steve, before we wrap things up, there's one loose end that we have not tied up, that we have talked about many, many times. And you mentioned earlier in this episode And that is, what is the deal with Columbia House music? (laughs) Oh, you know the deal? I know the deal. I looked it up. Okay, great. I figured just take a couple seconds because this has come up so many times and many people have said, what is the deal with Columbia House? So here's the quick rundown. Okay. Columbia House started in 1955 and it was originally for rural households who didn't have access to record stores. Okay. And it was so successful that by the following year they had sold 700,000 records. 1956 they held 700,000 records through the mail. And then the following year they had 700,000 members and sold over 7 million albums. In 1956? 1957, the year after. Wow. And then by 1963 they owned 10% of the entire retail record market. Wow. Can you believe that? No, I can't. It's unbelievable. And then they changed names a couple of times. They became Columbia 
house a little bit later. They originally only sold records from Columbia Records, but then they started to get other companies and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I don't know if you knew this, but they didn't start offering an album until it was out for six months in the stores. I did not know that. Just so they, that was like their deal with record store owners. So they wouldn't cut them off at the knees at the very beginning. They would wait like six months and they still sold millions of records every year. They still cut them off at the knees. They still cut them off at the knees. <laughs> Just like Walmart said they weren't going to do with local business, but did anyway. <laughs> when we had Tim Durlin on and he was talking about 8-Tracks, he told us that 8-Tracks were still made available through Columbia House until 1988, right. even though they had disappeared from retail market years earlier. Do you have any idea when Columbia House stopped selling reel-to-reel albums? Reel-to-reel? Yes. They were selling reel, reel to, reel to reel on Columbia House? Yes. Do you want to take a guess when they stopped doing that? We're talking reel to reel. We're talking one reel of tape that you had to loop through all the little machinery and kind of hook into the other side and just play. Who's playing a record on reel to reel, please, first of all? Please tell me it was years before 1988. Please tell me that. 1984. Well, four years. <laughs> four years. 1984. That's crazy. They're still selling reel-to-reel, -reel, and they were still selling LPs until 1992. And do they exist anymore, Jer? Well, that's the thing. They do. What? They sure do. They've changed their name, but they still have. They changed, The company that owns them has changed their name. They've been bought and sold many times. But if you go to ColumbiaHouse.com, it's still in existence. But they sell DVDs now. So can I get 13 DVDs for a penny? <laughs> you know, I don't know, but it's funny you should mention the whole um, idea. You know, the whole idea behind it is that you would get a certain amount of, of albums for free and then you'd kind of get overcharged for the rest of them. Right. They were investigated by the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, a couple of times for their practice called negative option billing. That was the deal where you would get your monthly mailing and you had to return the little thing saying you didn't want the album. If you didn't return it, then you got it right in the mail and then you had to pay for it. That's called negative option billing. And I guess it was like a fraud. Oh, it totally <laughs> was a fraud. So they stopped doing that after a while, but there you go. That's Columbia house in a nutshell. Well, thanks Jeff for that. That was Really, absolutely fascinating. I'm serious. <laughs> I know. It's something that I think we've mentioned a couple of times. We've said, we should really find out what, what was up with Columbia House. That could be a whole nother podcast, really. <laughs> right. The Columbia House podcast. For the last time, I will tell you, you can find us on Twitter at least until Elon Musk blows it up. And by the time you hear this, <laughs> he may have done it at Rush Fancast. Jerry is right there on Instagram at the Rushcast. Email Jerry, therushcast at gmail.com. And I do want to mention, Jer, our listeners can email us whenever they like. They need someone to talk to. We are here yep. at therushcast at gmail.com. Send Jerry an email a year from now if you need to. Just to say, hi, you miss us, therushcast at gmail.com. Jerry will gladly take your emails. Am I correct? That is true. Keep subscribed, Jarrah, is the other thing I wanted to say, because you never know, right? You never know what'll happen. We may get bored and decide to do this again. Yep. 
Getty Lee may call us up and say, hey, I want to do an interview about my new memoir. And then how could we say no? How could we say no? We, we certainly wouldn't say, oh, we're not doing that <laughs> podcast anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Getty. We could be pulled out of retirement. So subscribe on your favorite podcast app and stay subscribed. And Jerry's going to leave all these episodes up so you can listen to them whenever you want. Yep. The bass intro and outro. Lex, thanks so much for doing this for three years and four months. We appreciate you. And Jerry, I have a quote before you give us your quote to wrap things up. A little change of pace. Yeah, I thought I would have a quote. And I stole this from Rush's R40 DVD. Okay. They have a quote from Ernest Hemingway in the liner notes. It's good to have an end to journey toward, but it is the journey that matters in the end. Hmm. That's a good one. And it kind of uh, relates to the quote I was going to read, Steve. Oh, nice. From Prime Mover. Oh, Prime Mover. Perfect. From the point of ignition to the final drive, the point of the journey is not to arrive. Anything can happen. Jer, that is perfect. Thanks so much for all of this. You're the best, bud. You're the best, Steve, and I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you.